Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Zero episode 22. Oh, I was I was looking at the Twitch stream. Was I like on a weird delay there? Yeah, I was like, just kind of pause. Phase zero episode 22 starts right now. Uh, we have a big show about Loki. Oh, happy Wednesday, our new time. I'm your host, BD. Joined today, the fantastic four, Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. Aaron Perrine. So excited to get started. Let's go, Jamie Jurak. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody's weekend? Anybody do anything exciting this weekend? Not really. No? no? Uh, Jamie did. I, yeah, I Jamie went back did. to Disney. <laughs> Jamie's just showing off now. I know. Yeah. Um, I went back to Disney, but uh, I got to tell you guys, it's not the same when you don't go in a media preview and have a personal private tour guide. Oh. What happened? Um, okay, so to get into Avengers Campus, it's a five-hour wait just to see the campus and you know for web slingers uh you have to at 7 a.m or noon um go online and reserve your spot it's impossible i had a party of four we all hit that button right at 7 a.m and nothing and then at noon we didn't try again because we wanted to do rise of resistance which by the way blows web slingers out of the water rise of the resistance is the greatest ride i've ever been on in my life but one thing the thing that really was insane about avengers campus and they really bought bottlenecked it uh and it was it was a mess because they blocked it all off but they also blocked off the guardians ride which didn't really make sense because it's not new uh so technically there was only a 15 minute wait to get on guardians but you had to wait five hours to to get into that 15 minute line and with the food you can't actually register for food until you're inside so um you know you can't Mm. if you if you have a web slingers reservation you can get in but you can't just get in with a food reservation uh so i never got to try the shawarma i really regret not doing it the first time um and it's i think it's partially because of um because of the pandemic, it's still they're still at twenty five percent capacity or thirty five, um, and and I think maybe they just don't want huge crowds in that area. But I, it was a lot of poor planning. Um, they hmm. really shouldn't have done it that way. I think they just made it harder on everybody. I had a friend the day before who waited the five hours, and she said it was worth it. I personally would not have thought it was worth it to wait in that line. Uh, so I, I would, I, if you're going just to see Avengers Campus, I'd hold off a little bit until it's a little more. Um, uh, less, it's a little less insane. Also, it, overall, they've eliminated fast passes right now. Aaron, did you know about this? I know yes. that you like have a lot. And that's that seems counterproductive to me as well to get rid of fast passes. There's just like a lot of stuff you couldn't do still. Um, I mean, still had fun, it's still Disney, had a great time. But, um, but if you're going for Avengers Campus, either be prepared to wait in a line all day or just save it for another time. I'm going. I, listen, I I have my tickets for Monday, so I'm I'm, I'm locked in, and I'm gonna try to still be excited. Okay, oh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But I mean, I'll report back in two weeks on the show 
uh, when I'm back from Avengers Campus. But yeah, that's that's uh, I'm not surprised it's crowded, but that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, we do have a big show today about Loki, and we have two interviews. You're going to hear from Tom Hiddleston on the show. You're going to hear from director Kate Herron on the show. We're going to talk full spoilers in just a few minutes. But first, of course, you know we're going to talk about some MCU updates. Black Widow. 22 minutes in IMAX. That's cool if you're going to see it in theaters, which I fully plan to. Uh, I believe tickets are going to go on sale as soon as like Friday. That's my guess. Uh, I think we'll get some some looks at that. And I know that I will have some more Black Widow stuff to talk about next week on the show. I can't even hint at more than that. Maybe I'm already in trouble. Uh, so that's that's exciting. But 20, uh, Jenna, are you planning on seeing this in theaters? I might at this point. I know when we talked about it like two months ago, I was definitely in the premiere access crowd. I still might be depending on how things are. I like literally just got fully like inoculated from my second shot like yesterday or like three days ago. So it's like I am just easing into going out in public and being comfortable. So hopefully by the time Widow comes out, I will feel okay going to a movie theater because, yeah, the 22 minutes in IMAX is like a very cool idea. That's like a pretty solid chunk of the movie. Aaron, you going to theaters? You watching it at home? Uh, I think we'll probably be going to theaters. Ariel's been rattling the cage. My girlfriend's been <laughs> rattling the cage about, yo, we're going to see it on a bigger screen. We spent all this time inside. She's pretty committed to it. So, yeah, yeah. we'll be at the theater down the street. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the nearest IMAX is to me because we're in, like, Central Coast. So I'm probably just going to be in regular definition. I'm sad. I'll miss out on 22 minutes. That mm. But yeah, we'll see it in theaters. If anybody, I'll be at the I'll be at the Regal Opry Mills opening night IMAX. If you're a Phase Zero listener, come say hello. Jamie, you going to theaters? You watching at home? Oh, yeah, I've already started going back to the movies. I'm fully vaxxed. The first, the very first thing yeah. I did when I hit the the month mark was start going back to the movies because it's the yeah. only thing I ever did in life before. So yeah, there's no way I'm not seeing that in the movie. But then um, I will then get it on premiere and then watch it at home as well. I'll probably do both. That's the trick. Uh, we're gonna rewatch this one. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, next up, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, the sequel to Black Panther, is casting Atuma and Namora. Atuma is like the cousin. No, Namora is the cousin of Namor who uh, helps basically overthrow him in Secret Empire, which is a story we think might come to uh, the movies eventually. And and Atuma is like, honestly, kind of like an M'Baku for, for Atlantis in a way, like a challenger to Namor, rival, but like kind of an ally. I think Namor's going to, and also the big thing report from the Illuminati is that Tanakh Huerta from Narcos is playing uh, Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I think is super exciting. I think Namor could be like a Loki-level villain slash anti-hero in the MCU going forward. That's kind of a role, that, that equivalent-type role in comics. Anybody, Aaron, what are you thinking about all this? Um, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, of course, you know, until we get it in solid, like, you know, this is what it is, it's kind of hard to talk about it. But um, from the moment the freaking earthquake happened in, in Endgame, everybody's been saying it was going to be Namor, right? We all sat there and the Feige and everybody was like, whoa, what are you talking about? Uh, freaking uh, Ryan Coogler being like, I haven't even written the script yet. What are you guys talking about? And then boom, Namor. So, I mean, the more Marvel uh, changes, the more it stays the same, trying to lead us <laughs> off the trail of things. And then it inevitably ends up being exactly what we all thought. Um, I think it could be exciting. I mean, that's also a way where you can sort of navigate the weirdness of not having T'Challa be there, um, I guess, because um, everybody will be so up in arms about what's going on with the with the Atlanteans and them existing and their conflict with Wakanda that it'll be, I think they can find ways to make it sort of like 
industry or mitigate that in some way. I Ryan Coogler's job just isn't easy. I don't understand. I'm like, uh, Godspeed. This is a lot to do. It would have been hard to do this if it was a regular, like, boilerplate, straightforward, like, sequel. And it looks like, just like Loki, it's going to really build into the things that are come later for the MCU. Like, it's going to be one of the big ones that you're going to earmark, for sure. He's going to have to find a way to shoot this thing underwater. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm sure James Cameron will provide him some tips since apparently like three of the Avatar movies are underwater or something. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just hoping if we get Namor that I I personally just really want this to lead to like the OG comic defenders of like Doctor Strange and Namor and a bunch of other like kind of the B and C list sort of weird team of Marvel characters. Like, I really hope that does end up happening in some capacity. Cause it's like, now that you have Namor, you kind of need to have him interact with other people. So I'm really curious, like you said, it does feel like he could be a Loki kind of character where he just bounces off of so many interesting people. And then in 2020 or 2032, he gets his own Disney plus series. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything on, on a Namora or a Tuma before we move on? All right, the panel has all shaken their heads and <laughs> wide-eyed us, and we're moving on. Uh, Issa Rae, this happened right after last week's uh, Phase Europe recording, so we're talking about it this week. It's been a short break. It's been, we, we moved up, so we lost two days. We don't have much news. We did have something that came out right after last week's show. Issa Rae is cast as Jessica Drew slash Spider-Woman in Into the Spider-Verse 2. I think this is super exciting. Jamie's fired up. Heck yeah. Uh, at first I read it wrong and I thought she was like doing it in live action and I got really excited. But uh, I had the then, same thing. Yeah. I had the same thing. My, my boyfriend ran into like ran from the other room out into my living room and he was like Issa Rae is Spider-Woman. And I was like in Olivia Wilde's movie or and then he was like in Spider-Verse. And I'm like, OK, because I would love to have seen her like that would be a really cool choice in live action. But even just getting her in Spider-Verse like awesome. that is just so cool. Like, I, I am very here for the Spider-Woman team up that they are going to have in that movie. I just need to know who they're going to bring in as Silk, because, like, the three of them, Gwen, Jessica, and Silk, are all just, like, this dynamic trio that is so much fun to see. We have, uh, I'm looking at the comment section, and we have some people being uh, toxic, and we are not tolerating it. Shout out to Richard, our producer, for banning them, and shout out to everybody for calling that to our attention. We do not welcome any of that crap in phase zero. This is a fun community where we're all here for a good time. Uh, last bit here, Jenna, I'm, you added this to the script, so I'm going to let you take it here. I thought this was a cool one. This is, this was one of those things like this just happened this morning. So it was like, I feel like we need to talk about this of um, the Hellfire Gala is happening now in all of the various X-Men titles and Marvel yeah. comics. It is basically the biggest, most, epic looking party it is so much fun i have not read this week's issues yet but on twitter it was going viral because there is one page where kevin feige shows up in as a guest to the hellfire gala because there are so many celebrities that are all there like conan o'brien's there seth myers pat Oswalt, like all of just these like famous people that marvel knows are all just there as guests and so there's one bit where kevin feige shows up and he approaches cyclops and he's like hey what's your story And then Cyclops is like, actually, it's really complicated. And just the internet has just kind of been freaking out about that, both good and bad, because it's one of those things. Comics have always had this energy of, you could find so many comics in the 70s and 80s where like the people who are writing the comic or who are editorial at Marvel at that time draw themselves into the comic and just make it about them. So it's like, this is nothing new, but having it be Kevin Feige, so many people are just like, this is the weirdest thing ever, but it's also kind of endearing at the same time. I'm sure I'm going to pull up the image here. Yes, thank you. This is it for everybody who's watching live on the podcast. You can just, um, you can Twitter search Feige Cyclops and you'll find the image. But uh, if you're watching live, I just showed a picture and it's, it's Kevin Feige in a ball cap. You know what I mean? You never see him without one. 
like I love the implication of it too because it's like does the MCU exist in the Marvel universe like what role does Kevin Feige have in the Marvel universe if the MCU doesn't exist like is he is he just a normal movie producer like what is the implication here I have no idea he's uh he's the watcher in the in the marvel universe (laughs) all right all right we are going to move on and in just a few minutes we're going to go full spoilers on loki but first i thought it would be cool to bring in the god of mischief himself i had a chance to talk to tom hiddleston this week he was as charming and charismatic and pleasant and delightful as you would imagine he's fantastic and we're going to roll that interview right now you can find it on our comicbook.com YouTube channel. If you want to watch it again or share it with your friends, I fully encourage that. But right now on Phase Zero, Tom Hiddleston. I want to start at the beginning of this show with you, if we can. Yeah. So, so this, is a, this is a character you have spent so many years evolving and growing and having these arcs with. And now in Loki, we start with the 2012 version who hasn't experienced Ragnarok in the dark world and Infinity War. That's he right. just got done trying to invade New York City. Yes. So tell me about this Loki and getting back into this character. What is his mindset? What is what's the number one priority for this guy who just had a hell of a day? That's why you put you taking the words out of my mouth. Like, it was really interesting to go sort of unstitch the character development of Dark World, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and it's almost like time travel for myself and go back to where Loki's head's at in that moment. Um, and yeah, his ego's pretty bruised. Um, the Avengers just assembled um, because of him for the first time uh, to stop him from taking over New York City. And um, he got smashed around by the Hulk which didn't feel great. (laughs) And um, yeah, so he's pretty bruised and broken and he still still has all of that entitlement and um, grievance, I suppose. He feels like, um, you know, in the events of the first Thor movie, he found out about his true lineage and he felt very betrayed and and, uh, lost and... um, and let down by his family and so all of that it's all he's kind of carrying all this damage I suppose um, yeah. but for me personally it was just going back and trying on my costume from the first Avengers movie and and being relieved that it still fit <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it could have gone the other way that's pretty much it right there I got it right here. <laughs> there you go yeah, I, already, I already got the, the merch from this show <laughs> there you go <laughs> I love it I love so. Which these are six episodes of the show. Which episode are you most excited for people to see? Do you think is going to get the biggest reaction? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I know basically. I know that we sort of. I think four and five. Uh, for me, if that's when the show just kind of takes takes these big leaps forward, um, I'm really really intrigued. By what to see what people think of the end of sort of end of four, beginning of five. It's like, yeah, um, poor Loki. Poor Loki gets a, <laughs> yes, a poor Loki. Oh, well, if that's possible, and he does this to himself. He does this to himself sometimes. His own worst enemy. Uh, he, get, he gets in his own way. Uh, so, so my last thing for you, I want to like talk about the Infinity War, the scene where Thanos kills Loki. Yeah, it seems like Loki. You know, he's. He he puts on the show that he's not ready to he's ready to betray Thor, but clearly he's he's bought in a little bit to that relationship through these years. I'd love to, you know, 
Can you give me a peek into Loki's mindset there? What were kind of his final thoughts as, as you know, Thanos was choking him out and he was ready, he was sacrificing himself to save his brother? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, I think that whole scene is, is overwhelmingly um, terrifying for both Thor and Loki. From from the moment that yeah, film audience. opens, yeah, and I think I think I genuinely, you know, he's seen Thor in some in some tight spots before, but he's always trusted that his brother will find a way out of it. And he, and in that moment, he knows like if he doesn't do anything, that Thor his brother will die at Thanos' hand. And when he first starts speaking, I think he's just stalling for time. He's, you know, he says, um, if you're going to Earth, he might want a guide, have a bit of experience in that arena. And he's just trying to think of a way of stalling Thanos and trying to come, he's improvising. And then I think he realizes, I've only got one shot at this and, and it might not work, but at least I'll have saved my brother and I'll go down swinging. And I always found that very touching is that, you know, the, when he's, he, he knows what he's going to do. And in Loki's defense, I know people, some people have been, you know, why does he, why does he use a knife and stuff? But he does go for the head and he almost makes it. So he knows, he knows how to do that. Um, but I always find it very touching that he, when he's listening, he's sort of introducing himself. Uh, he says, I, Loki, uh, of Jotunheim, Prince of Asgard, uh, God of Mischief, Odin's son. And he calls himself an Odin son. And really those movies up until that point have been, especially between, from Loki's perspective, is like who gets to call themselves an Odin son? And, and the fact that he kind of addresses himself in that way and looks at Thor is, I found really touching. Um, so yeah, I think in that moment, what's going through Loki's mind, damn, didn't work, <laughs> I guess. Um, but hoping that Thor will find a way, will find a way out, yeah. Um, well, they made it happen in the end. They so. did, they, here I am, here we are. Look at that backdrop behind you. You know, I kind of can't believe it myself, yeah. That's right. Well, congratulations on the show, man. I can't wait to see more of it. And thank you so much for the time. I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Yeah, see you again. I'm sorry you all had to suffer through that Tom Hiddleston interview. That was like ASMR. I could have like, I, I don't know. My serotonin levels just spiked so much just listening to him talk. And also the chat is obsessed with the fact that you got knighted by him. Like that he called <laughs> you sir, which I find adorable. I am Brandon of Marvel Shire. Said Brandon <laughs> born in Indigo 15. That's how you have to address me from now on. Hello. I am Brandon of Marvel Shire. Jamie, you look like you have thoughts. That was just so good. Um, there's nothing more satisfied, satisfying than when the person you're interviewing is like, oh, that's a great question, and then really kneels down to think about it. Like you can see his wheels churning in his brain. That was great. Oh, I love that man. I'm just so happy love, that you, we're yeah. in the Loki, the Loki time of this year. 
he genuinely like you could just tell he knows this character so well he puts so much thought into it he doesn't like he's not just reading lines at any point he's he's really you know he's got a deep attachment to loki and i love that now speaking of loki the show of the hour we're going full spoilers for episode one if you have not watched loki yet what are you doing? What do you have a job? What? <laughs> Come on. Uh, go watch it. Come back to this point in the podcast. And we are going full spoilers. We're going to drop some information, some Easter eggs, some opinions, all of the above and more, starting with reactions. Jenna, what did you think of the first episode of Loki? I loved it, honestly. Like, I, especially watching it again this morning, like, not just watching it on a screener, there was so much more that I loved about it. I feel like there were complaints from people that were like, oh, it's a little too overexpository. There's a little too much just, like, replaying everything that we already know. But I feel like, especially if you're somebody who isn't us and isn't overly inundated with remembering everything that's ever happened to Loki in the MCU, I think they do such a good job of condensing all of that down and making it a thing that you can understand. And, like, honestly, I could watch Hiddleston and Owen Wilson just sit in a room and talk for like six hours. And so when they're just going back and forth, it feels like this like black box theater, like you're watching them do Shakespeare or something like just watching them bounce off of each other was like, this is the best way to kind of like info dump where Loki goes so that we can kind of establish where he is. Yes. Jamie, what did you think? Oh, so much fun. I just I just love that they are allowing themselves to be weird. And that is like just so my brand um, just every second. And, you know, seeing Owen Wilson on my screening, it's been so long. It's like fills me with such like pure joy. I was transported to being 14 again and seeing Life Aquatic a bunch of times in theaters. I'm just like so happy he's back in our lives. My friend said the funniest thing, though. She said that Owen Wilson looks like he's doing John Slattery Howard Stark cosplay. <laughs> Oh, Yo. he just kind of look like he's dressed like that. And I can't stop thinking about it. Um, oh, but I wish the- you didn't say that because now I'm never going to oh. see anything else. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. See, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but like Mobius was based on Mark Grunwald, who is this really prolific Marvel writer. Like he is responsible for so many amazing things. And he became an editor at Marvel and they literally tasked him with like keeping track of the continuity because that was just a thing that he knew. And he loved like recording all of that and making sure everyone was staying on track and so Mobius is literally just him in the Marvel universe of like okay here's a character who also can keep track of all the continuity and just happens to have the mustache and the same thing of all of it so like when the Marvel Legends figure for Mobius went live like the other day I immediately ordered it and my boyfriend was like yeah that's a Mark Grunwald action figure like we're just owning that now it's perfect so <laughs> that's awesome I love Aaron that. what'd you think of this first episode uh I really I really liked it um like they said like it's super weird I mean I'm one of the people that actually liked the first episode of WandaVision too like the stranger it is that's how you get your hooks in me you know um also my grandpa was an accountant when I was a kid <laughs> at the port near our house and all of the interior of his office looks like the TVA so that's super super hilarious that's a nice visual way to sort of communicate like the sort of bureaucracy that's going on because i'm like yeah all this like brown the patterns the weird red yellow uh, black color scheme for all like the typewriters and the desk bays i'm like i'm into this i want to see where it goes also it's just wonderful seeing the two of them bounce off of each other you know what i mean they really really have a good interplay with each other and i think that we're almost assured we're going to get owen wilson imitating uh, Tom Hilston <laughs> as one of the Loki variants at some point. 
It has it to be. It would just be full circle. It would just be full circle. That's actually, you can go on YouTube right now and you can uh, look at the interviews I did with the cast. I asked Owen Wilson, are you going to uh, get redemption or, or revenge for all those times <laughs> Owen Wilson or Lo- uh, Tom Hiddleston did impressions of you as Loki? And he was just like, I like the thought. I like that. Sounds like a <laughs> wow. He didn't say wow. That's unfortunately. Oh, oh, I failed. That was a good impression. That was honestly yeah, really you- good. That was Every like, week that I hit, there's one, you. and finally, yeah. wow, yes, <laughs> let's go. We found an impression I can actually do. Not going to do it again. I'm just going to leave it at that. Nope. So, all right, and, uh, this was hands down my favorite pilot for Marvel so far. Uh, I put it number one, WandaVision number two, Falcon and Winter Soldier number three. That's my ranking. I And I loved the WandaVision pilot, and I was very middle of the road on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, but I feel like this one not only set up its own series, and brought in awesome characters and showed us we're going to have great character growth, kind of on like a V2 of Loki. But it also, I feel like, did more, introduced more concepts and ideas and, and story threads in one episode than all of WandaVision and the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. And I'm a sucker for that stuff. Like, I don't know if we're going to get the character development on Loki that we got on WandaVision or the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. I think we can, but those two were so thorough and deep with the characters. And this one feels like we're going to have character development, but we're also going to have a ton of world building for the MCU and multiverse kind of introductions and building. I don't, I don't know if we're going to go all in on anything crazy or have any crazy ramifications on the MCU in the show, but we're going to get the ideas introduced and we're going to learn how they work in this cinematic franchise. And I love that. And I want to get one more opinion, Richard, I want you to turn your camera on. You watched Loki. I, t- I, t- I say every week, I'm like, I want to bring Richard on the show. He's being shy. Hold on. Richard Adams, our producer right now. Is he not going to do it? I want to get Come Richard's on. thoughts on Loki. Richard. Richard. Oh, I don't know what happened. He's not typing anything. He's, he's probably just like, oh, my webcam is torn down or something. All right, we're going to get Richard on the show. Richard, I want you to drop a note in the chat uh, as soon as you are camera ready, because I want to I want to hear your thoughts on Loki, but we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I loved starting the episode with uh, the Avengers stuff. Even if it was reused footage from Endgame, I love seeing the Avengers from 2012. Um, and I also like the nod to Iron Man in the Desert. Did any, any, like, th- does that get anybody particularly fired up? Because we're going to talk about later in the episode how the Infinity Saga feels very dismissed. But <laughs> I personally love the ties. Uh, Aaron, what, what, did you get fired up over Avengers stuff? I, I, I kind of do love it because at first I'm like, oh, we see in this and I'm like, I get it. But like, I have to remember, like most normal people aren't rewatching these movies at the rate that we are, like all of us are. We're all just rewatching and trying to figure out things or whatever. Like Jenna knows more about Ravana Renslayer than like 98 percent <laughs> of the population now. Um, but it's like super interesting because like he has had this really, really freaking long day. When you think about it, it's like I tried to take over New York. It fell flat. I got arrested. I got played. I, like, you know, uh, the Hulk used me as a skip it. And then <laughs> uh, like I get the test. Right. I think I get away. I'm talking to these people and I'm like, I have done it. I've gotten away. I have succeeded. And then no, absolutely not. And then I get punched in slow motion in the middle of the desert and then dragged back through there. It's just, I really, I think it's going to be interesting to see where like 
they're obviously going to be playing with the timelines of things. I think we're going to see a lot more stuff from previous movies than you than we all might be thinking. I mean, we just did all like we you guys watched Thor last night, right? Where comic book nation like a watch party. We could have just had them watch the first episode, and you have all of the Thor movies and most of Endgame already there, like the end of it anyway. It's like, oh yeah, this all happened. So <laughs> I look forward to Chris Evans strutting across at some point. That's probably going to happen. I'm down. I watched every Loki movie yesterday. I had like a whole Loki day and watched wow. every movie that he's in. And even still when like, and even though I'd watched the episode already, just, I was still excited to see all that stuff. Uh, the connection stuff. It's, it's just fun. It's like, we've earned it. Um, I don't mind a recap because I love nostalgia and I like to be reminded. And I think we all know which part of the recap I was most excited about. <laughs> I was going to say last week yeah. on the show on Friday, Jamie said, please show us Phil Coulson. And then when I watched the episode, like immediately after our show, I wanted to text you, but you hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> and I was like, you asked for Phil Coulson. He died in this episode. <laughs> Woo. I, I'm like, I, I, I tweeted this, but I put on my clown shoes and I'm like, this means we're getting a Coulson cameo. He's coming. He's showing up. Like, why else would they show that if it's not foreshadowing? So, and a lot of people, shoes. a lot of people are saying that, um, I know, I'm, I, I can't help it. A lot of people are saying that they wish that they thought that um, they were even further clowning than me. And they thought that he was going to be like, but turns out he didn't really die. And he went on all these adventures. But I think that if it, if that com comes up, I really don't think we're getting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. references unless we're really going to dig into what is this multiversal war, like all these multiverses. I mean, maybe it could. I think it's either going to make or break the AOS as canon debate. Um, we are either getting an official confirmation either way, I think is going to happen. And I, or at least I'd like it to. So I, I, let me ask you this. And this is for the S.H.I.E.L.D. fans in the Twitch comment section as well. If they just go about these next five episodes and through Doctor Strange without saying anything about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. story, all we get is that Phil Coulson reference. Are you going to take that to mean this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't count towards the MCU's canon? I'm not taking it to mean it until I actually hear it physically said out loud, specifically uh, without any questionable uh, uh, gray area. Um, I'm just going to keep on riding that wave, but I really, but like there are, because of the way it veered off in season five um, and they didn't have the, the snap, it has to be another multi, it has to be another timeline. But, um, but I think, I don't know that cartoon in the beginning, which was so cool. I loved the animation that they did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I got a Miss Minutes tattoo later this year. Let's <laughs> come back to see how that turns Your out. Your tattoo artist is getting work. I know. <laughs> getting work um, employed. Exactly. So, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I will see, but I, I'm not, I haven't lost complete hope yet. And that's I what matters. So listen, we want, we're going to start, we're going to go right into that Miss Minutes story. But before that, I do want to say a couple things I noticed that I just wanted to point out. The Avengers uh, speech burdened with glorious purpose. I liked the callback to glorious purpose at the end of the episode. Uh, the guy who walked into the TVA and said, my dad is on the board at Goldman Sachs. Uh, you know, we all know, we have all had an encounter with that person. Like, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Uh, and there was a scroll at check-in, which, you know, doesn't really mean anything because we already know scrolls, but still very cool. Uh, anyway, Miss Minutes in that introductory video in the TVA, voiced by Tara Strong, Harley Quinn, Bubbles, Timmy Turner, many other characters. Uh, the voice of Miss Minutes mentions a Nexus event, 
mentions a multiversal war, mentions madness. I mean, I mean, secret wars has to be coming. I'm, I've been talking too much. Who wants to kind of explain why this is so important to the person who might not understand why this is so important? Who wants to lay this out? Anybody, any volunteers here? I, I can, as we as we established before we started recording, I am kind of like, it's just funny to me as we'll, as we'll discuss later that we're kind of dismissing the Infinity Saga and then immediately going into Secret War speculation, like just instantaneously, because I'm, I'm just already waiting for all of the, just every single thing in the MCU, people speculating about it tying to Secret Wars. But, um, but basically, yeah, for those who don't know, Secret Wars is a comic storyline that does deal with a multiversal war. It usually has kind of, more components of the MCU filtered in, but that is kind of a thing that people have wanted to see for a really, really long time. I know that's the movie that the Russos said, that would be the only thing that would return them back to Marvel would be to direct a, a Secret Wars movie. So the fact that they're teasing that and then also like the having multiversal and madness so close to each other, it's like, oh, y'all know what you're doing. Like Doctor Strange is on the way. You know that you're going to just rip the, rip the timeline open so that Doctor Strange can try to fix it. Yes, and I have a theory on that. So, so Secret War is really like, the, the, the short version is these, these universes, as they said in the video, start to kind of merge into like all the, they, they, hit, they like are colliding with each other and everybody wants to be the dumb, like the one that survives basically. And then they kind of work it out. It, it gets erased kind of, and it's a secret. So it's Secret Wars, right? Like that's the shortest version I think I can make without getting <laughs> with like, um, but uh what if Secret Wars, as we're going to see, already happened? Like, what if, what if this whatever Doctor Strange is leading to and, like, the Secret Wars movie or show that we're going to get, I don't know, five, ten, uh, eventually years from now, what if that's what this is already referring to and, like, we just haven't seen it? Because the time, the, the time variance authority is not existing in any one space and time. Like, they're not in the future, they're not in the past, they're not right now. They're just kind of infinite and not at all. I don't think that's the case. I just wanted to, you know, put my tinfoil hat on, but, but, uh, yeah. I have a question for everybody. Um, and it's, do you think, so there are some other implications other than just Loki with a Tesseract. We've got, um, Gamora and Nebula are no longer in their timeline. We've got cat, whatever's going, we still don't really, the, the cap thing has always been a big question mark because we never got a straight answer there, but there are still some things that definitely are affecting the timeline that aren't just Loki. Um, so do we think those are going to get touched on or are, are we just going to be asking these questions for the rest of our lives? I don't, I don't see them getting touched on in season one. I feel like, especially like we have to have guardians three come out and kind of deal with all that, but it feels like something if Loki does get a season two, it feels like something that they could probably acknowledge or reference. Cause yeah, especially with like the Steve Rogers of it all. I've like both times I've been watching the episode. I've just been sitting there like, okay, how does he factor into this? Because he messed up the timeline arguably more than anyone did. So it's like, how do we, does the TVA notice that? Or does the TVA think that that's supposed to happen? Because then that leads to Sam becoming cap or what is kind of the story there? Because I, honestly don't know i think i mean this is the supposed to happen thing i mean but if it's supposed to happen like gamora and nebula are no longer having any of their adventures that they have in guardians one and two like those are the things that i'm like but i think it's i'm like ready i I trust i have faith well so in the comics there's like i think it was in the i think there i don't i don't remember exactly where i saw this but there's a thing in the comics where the time variance authority has kind of like a, a, a log of discontinued timelines or discontinued like universes. So I feel like they, the, the timeline that Nebula dying 
from and Gamora being pulled out of would could just be a discontinued timeline where they like, all right, well, we don't care about that one. It's not the sacred timeline. We can sacrifice it. We like the timekeepers don't care about that universe. They care about the sacred universe, which is the one that we're following. I don't know. I mean, they, they're clearly going to have to do something about that. I'm actually, I asked director Kate Heron about that. Like if you, she talked to James Gunn is the TVA, shouldn't they be after Gamora? Like, shouldn't they be trying to resolve this? And she was just like, no, I've never talked to James Gunn, but you'll see that in the, in the interview that's coming up at the end of the show today. But yeah, I mean, that is a lot like time travel is a sticky, sticky thing to work with. So I don't know. I don't know where, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just one branch of the TVA and they're pretending this is the one timeline, but there's like a bunch of sacred timelines and people in charge of all the timelines. And that's when the war is. I just really want this war. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing, though. Like, I I can see the timekeepers kind of being a like Wizard of Oz situation where they might not actually exist. It's just they make everyone kind of believe that they do or they do exist. But they're kind of telling you this is the sacred timeline when in reality, there is just a multiverse just scattered out already and people just aren't paying attention and even Uh, older tom hiddleston in full makeup behind a (laughs) curtain going oh you you weren't supposed to see that it would be amazing at the end of this i love that that would be really good god i I just i don't know like it's so weird to think about whether or not like they really want the image because she completely just went no we're not talking about them right now we're talking about you but i'm like you also didn't say completely that they didn't do anything wrong. You just said, oh, it went the way it was supposed to go. I mean, you have literally Captain America tumbling through the past with with Thor's hammer. Like, I don't like I don't feel like they would just let that slide, even if it was the thing that's supposed to happen, because he could theoretically screw stuff up still unless it was supposed to happen as well. So I don't know. It's crazy. This whole maybe thing they're following him around and dropping those little cleansing charges and proving the situation. <laughs> they're just right outside there. of the house at the end of Endgame that he and Peggy are slow dancing at. It's like immediately after that scene cuts off, they just go in and like apprehend him and just yeah. ruin the moment. I, Hunter B fifteen is standing there at Red Skull, just like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> this <laughs> do, they, do you think they know each other? Can anybody pull the files? Because this is awkward. <laughs> Uh, let's get oh uh, on the first scene with Mobius he meets that little French girl and I feel like that like he drew that little walking stick figure thing that like emerged from his like first of all if I was living what was that like the 1500s or something yeah that first scene imagine a, a, a person <laughs> comes along and, sh- and and creates like I feel like you would have a much stronger reaction to seeing <laughs> such technologies, which you would believe is just magic. At I feel that like point. kids, it's easier as a kid. If it would have been an adult, it would have been a different story. But I think kids are easily melded into believing yeah. what they're seeing. Also, isn't that just the argument for ancient aliens, basically, of like, oh, well, the aliens arrived like centuries ago and the technology was so advanced that we didn't know how to process it. So I could see it being something like that. <laughs> well, the well, she, the little girl said the devil killed those people when she pointed to like the devil on the stained glass. And the crew of Loki is saying in interviews that Mephisto is definitely not a part of this series. <laughs> Anytime people have asked people, is Mephisto a part of this series? They're always like, I don't know. I don't know. And then Mephisto is not a part of this series. So is Mephisto a part of this series? (laughs) Is that just what they want us to think? Because he did say the devil is he literally said the devil bearing gifts. But But I mean, horns. uh, It's not it's not Mephisto. I mean, we've seen episodes. We've seen episode two. 
I'm not going to say we have to play a little dumb here, but it's not Mephisto. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a cool reveal. It's not Mephisto. I'm before I, anyway, before I say it again, <laughs> uh, Loki knew the Avengers traveled through time and he credited that knowledge to have smell, to have <laughs> smelt twice the amount of Tony Stark's cologne. I love that line so much. Like that's I mean, one I, of my favorite lines of the episode. <laughs> You could have come up with a better way for him to have sniffed out the Avengers time traveling to have him literally sniff it out. I well, he like was wearing Axe body spray. And we yeah. do know if anyone who went to middle school in the early 2000s, <laughs> it's a pungent smell. Yeah, no, that, was I, that was the most believable thing out of the episode for me. If like, yeah, you would obviously be able to tell that that is Tony Stark. He probably does have the most distinct Axe body spray smell that you can find. <laughs> That's America's scent. Um, <laughs> Mobius was drinking Josta Cola, which was an energy drink introduced in 1995 and discontinued in 1999. I don't know why it was discontinued. I assume it was probably really bad for you. <laughs> Mobius doesn't care. Maybe he's a machine like that. That metal detector thing was about to melt. I don't know. What do you, what do you think that metal detector bit was referencing? Because the, the guy checking Loki in, the, the, the TVA TSA, said are you are you like you're not an android you're born with a soul like clearly you're like vision ultron like those are the type of things you think of aaron what are you thinking of uh isn't there a couple timelines where kang is a robot like where he's uh, like a like a replicant or whatever and him getting in there would obviously be kind of bad so i don't yeah, know that's, that that's how i see it of like if somebody knows that the t like that the tva exists they could send a robot who looks like a person into the tva and just say oh you're a variant and then that could potentially screw things up so yeah life my like everyone in the chat is talking about life model decoys so i feel like that could easily have been something that somebody tried to do and so now they have to have the security thing as a result of that my first thought was obviously the Chronicoms and Enoch uh, from Ages of Shield. <laughs> Anytime I can bring it up, I will bring it up. I'm so sorry for what's not going to happen for you. I know. I know. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. And uh, the D.B. Cooper story, Loki was D.B. Cooper. So hold on. For, let, me, let me get this straight. <laughs> so Loki, A, already like had visited Earth, but never mentioned that uh b lost a bet to thor and c was going to pay him back in american cash <laughs> was that the plan is that what was happening there your mo our money is good on asgard ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i just i i love because like when they had the db cooper stuff in the trailers i assumed that was going to be like a whole episode of like oh somehow with the tva he has to pretend to be db cooper but i just love it so much better that it's just a thing he's doing just for fun and i i love the implication that like heimdall is sitting there on asgard like what are you doing this for again what do you need me to open the bifrost for i don't know but i'll do it i guess there's a lot of the comments are pointing out yet yeah, in Thor one Thor doesn't recognize earth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's just what we're going to run into. You're going to have small things like that because this, this franchise has been running so long now that some details might not end up being perfect, which is a bummer, but you know, I do get confused about Thor and Loki their age wise. Um, because I think Thor is supposed as like a couple hundred years older 
from from my googling but then right. i was like in ragnarok when he's telling that hilarious snake story and he's like we were eight mm-hmm. and and then like every time i'm like really just trying to figure out how old they are and then in the first thor it's so funny when i'm watching yesterday and anthony hopkins is like you're a child you're acting like a young man and it's like well he's like a thousand years old though <laughs> that's like the same excuse that men get in our reality like oh they're they're only 45 they haven't hit their uh their their knowledge yet of what they shouldn't be doing i don't know if i've ever heard that defense if somebody's defending a 45 year old man saying well he's still a kid sometimes People get they should go the way of Chris Harrison. Ryan Lochte, <laughs> the Olympic swimmer. They definitely did that, though, BD. Isn't he like uh, 32, 33 years old? And they were the like, oh, come on. And I'm like, no, man, he, 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 can, he can rent a car. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> is that the threshold? Is that the threshold? If you're old I, enough to rent a car, you're old enough to know not to fake your own robbery in Brazil? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Put it in writing. Thunderbolt. Let's go. That's oh, <laughs> Oh man. oh man yeah that's that's yeah don't be defending people if they're like like old enough to rent a car don't yeah. worry anyway uh the, the infinity stones were in a drawer like and so we were talking about this before the show we're gonna have the same exact conversation that we had before the show right now <laughs> this to me means two things one it is really showing loki like you have to accept how powerful the tva is they can like nullify the power of the infinity stones if you don't like it too bad and two, it's also the MCU and Kevin Feige and the writers and the creators and everybody who had us invested for an 11-year story surrounding the Infinity Stones saying to us, <laughs> shut up. They're done with. It's a wrap on the Infinity Stones. Look at them. They are paperweights. They mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I even have this thing? <laughs> Why do you have two? Wow. Well, this is this is the Hasbro version. That's the sideshow version. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Th- guess what? They're both useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, um, a lot of people are like, "Well, why did everybody have to die and all that?" Yeah. I think that's a silly outlook because I mean, the TVA can't can't go in and just control everything, or at least they're trying to pretend like they're not. Um, so I don't I don't think that uh, that would make sense if they were like, oh, you need some Infinity Stones? Let's send Owen Wilson to send them to spread them out. Uh, like I mean, listen, who, who, they, the, the, the TVA practices the same moral code as the Eternals, apparently. Like they can <laughs> intervene and help, but they choose to just watch. So I will say there was a TikTok that we wrote up on the site that was going viral. That was somebody who pointed out, like, why in Endgame did they not just go to the day after Infinity War? Like, why did they not just time travel back to then? Because it's like Thanos had all the stones. He was just chilling in the garden. He hadn't destroyed them yet. Why couldn't you just do that and have the movie be way shorter? So it's like the one two punch of that. And then this episode where they're literally paperweights has just completely broken the way I see the Infinity Stones, because it's just like there's so much convoluted stuff of just how people use them i did i did scan that drawer uh both in not hd on my screener version and this morning in hd on a like a 75 inch tv i was like looking at it like this i was this close i could see every pixel and there was a french medal of honor and there was baseball cards but nothing else that i saw of note at least not yet maybe somebody's gonna spot something in there some deep 
deep, deep cut Marvel prop from the comics from 1964 is going to be spotted. Uh, and it's outside my realm of knowledge, but I did not see anything other than infinity stones. So yeah, I can't believe they're so useless now, I, but I feel like they could come back to the MCU. We could do the Illuminati. We can have like a, a story like that in Dr. Strange and maybe, like the TVA goes down and they're like, well, maybe we should keep these things like just in case. And everybody keeps one. Aaron, what are you thinking? Oh, I was just laughing at uh, Nat saying that they were Colson's <laughs> trading cards. And that, I thought that as know, well. Yeah. Um, I think that also, is it not possible? We all were sitting there like, well, how could Captain America give back all these stones and all this stuff? It would take so much time and he would screw things up. Like, what if he just went through the TVA with like nice, <laughs> chill background music and filled out some forms? It was like, all right, there you go. I'm just signing these over. All right, guys, I'll see you guys later. And that's that's what, that's all we get. But it probably won't be. Um, it's just, I, it was such a, I agree with you, BD. It was such a clean break of just like, yes, these could come back in another movie to like power the plot and be like a cool callback, you know, uh, like in like an Ant-Man movie or something where they have to do another time heist. Cause like I did this before. Um, but it's more likely like, nope, we're in a completely different realm. All that bloodshed for like a drop of clout for a thing that's sitting <laughs> in a drawer. It's all very, very sad. It makes Thanos look so short-sighted because he's like, I worked all these years to go so many places to find these stones and enact my plan. And then these people are like, oh, you mean these? I have like six of these. Like, what's homeboy's name? Casey? Casey's yeah. like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what? also, you're very, very large. I need you to go back over there. Here, have as many as you want. <laughs> what's that what's that athlete or the coach who's like we're on to cincinnati oh Bill Belichick. You, yeah Bill Belichick, <laughs> we're, on, we're, we're on to cincinnati the mc right now is like we're on to secret wars we are, we're on to secret wars no oh, more questions about the infinity saga you know we, we we coached a good game we put up big numbers at <laughs> the box office maybe we could have worked out the time travel stuff a little bit better looking back but we you know we, we put our best shot and now we're on to secret wars we're on to secret wars <laughs> yeah, even even with all of our like you know the little nitpickies the little questions it's still the most cohesive impressive large universe that's ever oh, been yeah. done uh, yeah. it's it's in, like it really is when, sometimes when i go back and watch like I, I i i was just watching days of future past which i love for the record i love that movie one of my all-time but, favorite marvel movies i think it's amazing but it's also um the way that um all the x movies just like did not care about time and aging <laughs> and how they go through these decades without any thought of how these people are aging or anything. And, and even like, obviously the DCU has had so many continuity issues and everything. And, and every time I watch the, these MCU movies, I'm just, I can't get just like as a film fan, it just blows my mind away. So, but so anyone who's like, these guys really nitpick, but we all love it. Come on. Listen, if we're not nitpicking, we're not doing our job. It, exactly, it was always exactly. going to get tricky when they brought in time travel. It was never not going to get sticky, and, and but they I, they threw a nice blanket on it. They said the Avengers did what they were supposed to do. They introduced those charges that could reset everything the TVA interferes with, and they prune timelines that they don't care about that are not sacred. So listen, okay. Uh Couple things uh, that I wrote down. There's really not not much left in terms of Easter eggs. Oh, the time twister device. 
there is a story where the timekeepers are created with a group called the time twisters. So I feel like that's a nice nod to the time twisters, which don't do as good of a job keeping <laughs> the timelines in order. Um, Jenna, I feel like learned a lot about the time twisters in, in learning about Ravana. <laughs> they surprisingly don't come up that much. Like I, I am familiar with them, but no, her, her whole thing. I will like, do you want me to explain it this week or next week? Because I feel like I do need to like draw a chart if I'm going to explain Ravana's comic history, because there is like, I I'm going to look like Charlie Kelly in that one episode of it's always sunny <laughs> when he's just in the, the break room, because that is the amount of canon we're dealing with here. Um, I would love to. I would love to have you write that down and send it to John Mason and have okay. him make a graphic, like an actual graphic. I can do it. that. I can do that. Yeah. Or actually, you know who would love to do that would be Nick Floyd. He loves doing uh, time travel stuff. He loves cool. time travel videos and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna need more Ravana, and yeah. I think next week we're get we do get more Ravana, including um, we get more Ravana. Yeah. So. Yeah, we th- let's 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 get a Ravana uh, a Ravana lecture on the schedule for <laughs> awesome. episode twenty three. Um, I think that's really that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about from this episode. Did anybody else have anything they wanted to point out? If the comment section has any questions, now's the time. We while didn't we talk stall about the you. ending of the episode. Oh yeah, the end of the episode. That's uh, <laughs> that's a really good point. Take us take us away. Well, I'll just bring it up because we have it in the notes. But yeah, Mobius reveals that the variant that they are hunting that is responsible for all these things is another version of Loki. And we see them in Oklahoma in 1858, drawing out a bunch of timekeepers with 30th century technology, which definitely was noticeable to me because that happens to be kind of Kang and Ravana's domain of like the time of history. So I was just like, hmm. But yeah, so there's another Loki in a hood just lighting a bunch of timekeepers on fire and causing some sort of trouble. Yeah, and the, the comment section is asking, who is the hood person? Uh, you'll find out real soon. That's all I'll say. It's a it's a it's a Loki variant, right? That's what that's what Owen Wilson's Mobius said. So that's all I, I just feel like usually we would speculate on this a lot. Now I just feel like we can't because it's hard because we've all seen it. Yeah, yeah. You'll be satisfied, Aaron. You, you, I thought I saw the hand I go said, up. They mentioned they mentioned that like the weapon that's stuck in the ground is from like the year three thousand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Big Jonas Brothers vibes. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is what was going on? What yes. is this? It Thank was amazing. You. It's very weird. <laughs> Kang yeah. is just a huge Jonas Brothers fan. <laughs> yeah, I hope this. Uh, I hope this show gives us glimpses into like the distant, different future, and also just different planets and universes and stuff. And I think we're going to get it. And I think it's going to tie into Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, more than any of us uh, expected early on. And that's awesome. Uh, so I, I genuinely think this show has potential to be my favorite of the three Disney Plus shows by the time it's over. Um, I was talking to Jamie and she was like, it has a chance to be second. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you, I I said this to Brennan and I mean it. The only way you are going to beat Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn is if somehow John Travolta shows up on Loki. And that's not going to happen. Like that is literally the only thing Marvel could do to make me like that show more than WandaVision. (laughs) So, but, but I think it has potential for me to be a very, very close second. So we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we're going to end the show with an interview with Loki director, Kate Heron. Jamie, any, uh, any last words for today's show? Oh, thank you guys for having me again. It's always fun. Fantastic four. Yeah. (laughs) You can't see us. Fantastic four. Aaron, what's going on with you? You got anything coming up this week? 
Um, I think we're probably just going to be, uh, I think, is today the last day of Cram, Jenna? Because I think all of our Cram stuff ended, Cram ended yesterday. Cram ended yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, we. if you want more of all the backstory of the characters, go comic book. We have comic book Cram, Loki, all the angles, how it sets up <laughs> stuff for the future. Mm-hmm. Jenna thinking that there's going to be the Squadron Supreme in it. I stand by it until I'm proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we never give up hope at comic book. Um, no. There's so many things that could happen. Uh I have a thing about Asgard as like an idea and why Loki is the perfect character to be doing all these time shenanigans because he clearly understands how stories work and function as evidenced by him watching his own story and then being kind of like getting it and speed running his development from three movies. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're doing this week. I don't know. We'll be, we'll yeah, be the cram stuff. Shout out to all the editorial team who put together all the comic book cram stuff on the site. There was so much information. <laughs> to learn and just well researched and well put together that was a really good job by you guys and jk who organized that on the site as well uh jenna anything uh for today's show today's um so i mentioned it last week and i've been hyping it up on my twitter if you want to see my pop collection i will be doing a tour this thursday at 7 p.m central just kind of going live on twitter talking about my pops and whatever nerdy stuff if you think it's just this bookshelf behind me you are wrong which is why it will take a while (laughs) because there are so many more scattered across the apartment so um um, yeah, tune into that at seven if you have nothing better to do and you want to hang out with me. Yes, go hit up this uh, the, the long-awaited, highly anticipated <laughs> at Hey It's Gentleman Pop Tour on Twitter. Highly recommend. And I want to give a shout out to Layla in the comment section before our next show. Yes. Layla's having a birthday, so happy birthday, Woo, Layla! Birthday! Woo. Layla Read our movies. Has- <laughs> There we go. Casually cosplaying Nashville representing with the happy early birthday in the comment section. See, that's the kind of comment section we're looking for. That's the environment we want to build. All right. Thank you for being friendly. Uh, Layla early B day says Evans Larson's. We love it. Uh, Layla also has a hell of a pop collection. It's really cool too. Layla, you'll have to do a pop tour tour as well. Maybe we'll have Layla on the show one day for a pop tour. That'd be great. Anyway, I'm rambling on. That's today's show. We're going to end the show with our director with Loki interview, Kate Heron. You will learn a few things. There are spoilers for episode one of Loki in this interview. So you might learn a thing or two, and then you can go watch it again on the YouTube channel at a later date. I think it'll be up uh, Wednesday afternoon or Thursday sometime. I am BD. I'll see you on comicbook.com. Thanks to the Fantastic Four for another lovely day. And thanks to our listeners. Make sure you follow on Twitch and subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. Enjoy Kate Heron. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I saw the first two episodes of Loki and I, so I'm loving life. The show's so good. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> I, I want to start with some of the world building you're doing. It like like literally how you're doing it because like the TVA we see rooms and worlds and everything. I know it's like partially the Atlanta Marriott, which is so cool. Uh, but, you know, how did, did you pull from any comics? Where did you get like, what, what did you do to establish the world of the TVA? Well, I think the fun thing for us, right, is that it was a really big challenge, right? Because it's this organization that exists outside of space and time. So I was like, okay, there's no sun. It's not on a planet. <laughs> like, so how do I show this? And something really awesome in the comics where they show the TVA is they have like, you know, those images of like the desks stretching off into infinity. So that's definitely something that me and my production designer and our visual effects team took a lot of inspiration from. Like you see in that viewpoint, it's almost like a city that stretches into infinity, but it's not really a city. It's just like a, an office that stretches into infinity. So I think we definitely took inspiration from the comics, 
Um, I'm also like a big fan of sci-fi and I wanted the show to be kind of a love letter to sci-fi. So, I mean, I stole from everyone. <laughs> so, you know, Blade Runner, Metropolis, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, there's so many different places that we pulled from. I mean, I grew up in Southeast London, which is like, there's a lot of brutalist kind of architecture around there. Like they filmed a clockwork orange where, near where I live. And I was excited to kind of pull that idea that we've seen, you know, in films like Blade Runner, but marry that up with like, you know, the more Midwest kind of classy heroic style because the TVA are heroic and I wanted to show that. So it was fun kind of melding those two styles together and then also just bringing in with that, like my own experiences and offices, like, you know, like I, I worked as a temp a lot and I remember like the technology, like where I used to work wasn't like the most updated. So I was like, oh, it'd be so fun if like, the technology in the TVA maybe isn't the most sophisticated looking technology, but it's still, you know, it works and it's powerful. So why replace it? So we had this kind of retro futuristic kind of look across a lot of our tech and it was really fun. I mean, and some of that does have references to sci-fi. Like I think the font on one of the computers is very similar to the font on the computers in Alien. Uh, the time doors we have were inspired by Dune. So I think there's definitely a lot of nods that people that love sci-fi will enjoy. And I just, yeah, it was fun kind of, it was just honestly just like a really fun playground to be in and set up. Yeah, whole new I can't wait to see more of it. Yeah. I cannot wait to see yeah. more of it. And I, I love that we get this Loki that is the, the Loki from 2012. So a lot hasn't happened to him yet, but he's also, I mean, I feel like from what I've seen in trailers and stuff, maybe you're kind of uh, expanding like his power set and these, or he's doing things we haven't seen him do before. Can you talk about that at all? Like what you're adding to the character? Yeah, I think for me, like I was really excited to get to show more of his magic in the show because, you know, he I think it's like 79 minutes maybe across all the MCU films. And obviously within two hours, like and, and there's a lot going on all the in, in all the films he's in, you can only show so much. And I thought, well, if we have six hours, we should be, you know, let's push it more and let's see what else he can do. So, yeah, so I definitely would say, like, I think the joy of our show is that it's unique in the sense that we're starting with a Loki from Avengers. So he hasn't gone on this incredible journey that he's been on in the other MCU films. But with that, we're putting him into this whole new corner of the MCU. He's, you know, it's like chaos and institution. I don't know how that's going to meld, but I think it's fun just to see a character on it who we is familiar to us, but in a very different scenario and, you know, nature and nurture seeing like, how is he going to react to this new world? We put him in. So and so my last thing for you is that as a Marvel fan, when I hear things like multiversal wars and when I see Infinity Stones just sitting in drawers, I'm like, whoa, 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 this is we're getting crazy in the first episode. And I'm not going to run this until after the first episode airs, but I would like to hear from you bringing those Easter eggs in and doing those things that are going to spawn so many theories and possibly really just expand this MCU lore in dramatic ways you know how, how does it feel to have that responsibility and how do you cook up those details it's definitely i think it was i think it's fun right like i remember when i first read the pilot script because the infinity stones joke was in there from like when i read the pilot and i remember it was like loki seeing those and i was like what <laughs> like i was like but i think it's kind of genius right because you feel like loki in that moment because he's like huh it's like, but I, I went through a lot. <laughs> like, for the, what? What do you mean? You're toying with my emotions, and I think that's kind of the fun thing, right? With, with us doing that, is that we're kind of hopefully showing to the audience that yeah, this is not, this is a new part of the MCU and the rules that have been set up and not the rules anymore. And I think yeah, like I always enjoyed that joke, but also I think it's a really good marker for 
you know, the fish out of water story almost with Loki that we are really going to see this place through his eyes and be like, yeah, like what the hell is going on? Like, so yeah. So I, no, I just, it was just very fun. It was very yeah. fun. Loki starts with a version of the character from 2012, uh, who's pulled out of Avengers Endgame and sent to the kind of the post game of the Avengers. He has not experienced the dark world. He has not experienced Ragnarok or infinity war. What was the key to getting that Loki, to getting the, Tom back in that mindset uh, on the screen? It was really interesting because I know like me and Tom would talk about certain scenes from Avengers. I remember when we were trying to like really like hone in on that. I remember we spoke about that amazing scene he has with Scarlet and how intimidating he is in that scene. And we kind of kept talking about that with the time theater, obviously, because it's similar, right? When he's going to the time theater with Mobius, he's like... I'm better than this person, you know, with Mobius. And I think clearly, quickly, he obviously works out that he's probably met his match. <laughs> and I think that was something that we spoke about a lot and just kind of making sure that, yeah, we were kind of following that emotional like path for him. Cause that was a real challenge, I think. Cause obviously the Loki that we all love is like, you know, he's in a very different place <laughs> in the recent movies. So, well, almost recent infinity war, I guess, Endgame. we set off our Loki, which is fun. <laughs> right. Right. So did you, did you have to like talk to James Gunn at all? Cause I'm pretty sure he's about to go through something similar with Gamora for guardians three. Did you guys have to collaborate at all on how the like character plucked out of a timeline works? Oh, I would love to speak to James Gunn. No, I did not speak to James Gunn. I follow him on Twitter and I'm, I'm a big fan of guardians of the galaxy. So no, we didn't, we didn't speak. No, but I mean, Marvel are pretty good at like, you know, keeping us like, I mean, but it's an interesting one though, in a way, because Marvel, obviously they oversee all that stuff, but I wouldn't say like me or the writers ever felt necessarily restrained by that. I think it's always, Kevin Feige always goes back to what's best for the story. And if it's best for story, we'll make it work. So yeah. Yeah. So far the story has been great. So I, I think Marvel, I don't know what, maybe they're onto something at Marvel. They might have, you know, a little bit of success. Now I'm curious with we the two Disney plus shows we've seen so far, WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I feel like the journeys of those shows, WandaVision set us up with a full on Scarlet Witch and then Falcon and Winter Soldier gave us uh, Sam accepting the shield and full on Captain America. Is there kind of a, a character who has, would you say a similar journey in Loki who, really uh, just develops into something even more or, or just one character who you really think is one that people are going to connect to that you're really excited to see. So I would say like, you know, our guy, Loki, <laughs> obviously he's going to go on quite an incredible journey. And I think, you know, the show's called Loki and I think that's the real core thing. But I would also say across the show, all our characters have really interesting journeys across this, you know, to do with identity and like, are they good? Are they bad? Is it more gray area? And I, th I think that's something that I'm excited with all the characters, to be honest, and how they all uh, fall into that kind of gray area across the show. Are we going to get at least one wow from Owen Wilson as Mobius? A good Owen no, I don't think we have one. A lot no. of people are asking me this, and I don't know if we have one. <laughs> Owen, Owen wanted to do something really outside of himself. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's, there you go. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one snuck in there, but I don't think we do. Yeah, it would be it would be quite a moment. It might be a little too meta, but it would be pretty. It would be quite a moment. I know the memes would go crazy. Which yeah. uh, which episode do you think is the one that people are really going to have the strongest reactions to across social media and online and everything? I would. This isn't like a trick answer. It's just like I do think genuinely like 
me and the team, we were so aware that this was coming out weekly. And like, for example, like me and Michael, like we, we, I know we both love Lost. And like, I used to talk about that every week with all my friends and I'd have many arguments with my friends and be like, no, this is what the story is about. And like, but I do think- I still do that about Lost today. Yeah, but I think there's something fun about it, right? That kind of weekly event cinema, like, um, sorry, and television that- so sorry, because I always think of it like a film, <laughs> but, but the weekly television event like Game of Thrones did the same. And I think we were so aware that we were coming out weekly that, you know, we want it to feel big and bold like a movie and we ran it like a movie. But the story is designed in a sense that we want to have conversations at the end of every episode and we want to create excitement and stir up you know, thoughts and theories. And yeah, it's, it's you know, it's something to be enjoyed. I mean, I love going to the movies, but I equally love, you know, I always say arguments. My friends are going to be like, yep. Uh, like, but the arguments you have with friends in a bar afterwards, you know, that's kind of the joy of it. It's yeah. so cool. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for your enthusiasm on social media around this. It's been so <laughs> fun to watch. I know you're having a blast. Congratulations. The show's great. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Cheers.